I believe that the ability to communicate well has become the number one most sought after soft skill of our time. And not just in the workplace, but in our personal lives as well. We all want to be more engaging, more charismatic and authentic in front of an audience and in one-on-one conversation. Bottom line, we want to shine. And that's where I come in. I have coached hundreds of clients, helping them to shine in high-pressure situations, whether on camera for CNN or CNBC, The Oprah Show, or for the TED stage, or sometimes even just helping clients navigate a tough conversation. But now, I want to offer you everything I know about communicating well. And for the next 20 minutes, give or take, I will give you high-voltage, practical, and highly irreverent advice to help you dismantle the communication habits that are holding you back while giving you the skills you need to shine. But enough with the preamble. Let's dive in. In the first episode, we talked about the fact that we all want to be authentic. We all want to be ourselves. And when I say our self, I mean the version of yourself that is most compelling, most engaging, most authentic. And that version is big you, right? There was little you, and there was big you. And as a coach, big you is always the essence I am trying to pull out of a client. Not the small, scared part of that person, but the beautiful, resonant, luminous, big version of their self that is living inside of them. But as we talked about, that big you is hard to hear. It's the most powerful part of you, but it's also the quietest. And we also talked about the fact that there are five kinds, five patterns of thinking that impair our ability to hear the voice of big us, big you. And those five patterns were inferiority and superiority, which we talked about last time, us versus them, scarcity, victimhood, and perfection. Today, I want to talk about us versus them mental storytelling. So the us versus them story is, I think, both very sneaky and very toxic. Sneaky because when we engage in this kind of mental thought pattern, we tend to feel pretty righteous in our position. Us versus them is very tribal, right? We feel incredibly invested in an identity that relies on us being separate from someone else, right? Conservative or liberal, Christian or Jewish, pro-life or pro-choice, vegan or omnivore, black or white, yoga or CrossFit. I mean, we could do this all day, right? And when we draw sharp lines around ourselves and other people, what we actually do is simplify our reality and not in a good way, right? Little you loves a simple version of reality. After all, I'm right and you're wrong, or I'm good and you're bad, that requires almost no creativity or curiosity. And bonus, these thoughts make us feel so righteous and pious and little you just loves it, right? Clear cut, black, white, simple. But big you isn't interested in simplifying reality. Big you is interested in experiencing reality as it is, right? Big U wants to experience people in situations as they are. And Big U knows that communicating from a place of us versus them is like trying to shake hands with a closed fist. You can't do it, right? It reminds me of this amazing quote from the Langavantara Sutra. And in it, the Buddha says, quote, light and shade, 
long and short, black and white, can only be experienced in relation to each other. Light is not independent of shade, nor black of white. They are not opposites. They are only relationships, end quote. I love that. There are no opposites, only relationships. Why would I love that quote? Because seeing things in terms of relationship, in terms of gradation, actually, I think, unlocks creativity and curiosity and deep reservoirs of patience, right? In this space, the possibilities for dialogue, for change, for progress are literally limitless. We lose our need to kind of dig in or defend positions or attack other people. We become far less worried about losing a debate and more interested in understanding and compromise. And I think just based on what I've seen, truly great communicators allow all perspectives to be heard and addressed. And truly great communicators are able to find ways to move the conversation forward, even when it feels impossible. And that requires that we tell a new mental story. So if the us versus them story perpetuates thoughts of these people are wrong and they have nothing to offer or some variation thereof, the we story that we'd like to get to perpetuates these kinds of thoughts. We are all on the same journey. We're all doing the best we can with the tools we have. We have more in common than we realize. Or one of my favorite lines from Glennon Doyle that literally got me through the results of the last presidential election here in the United States, we all belong to each other. Whether you wear a red hat that says, make America great again, or you're burning your bra, we all belong to each other. And when we can see the world that way, we can make progress, right? Mentally repeating these kinds of mantras. We're all on the same journey. We're all doing the best we can with what we know. Mentally telling those stories in tough situations creates a calm and open mind, right? A willingness to engage on tough issues without losing our goddamn minds, right? So I want to explain a conversation that went down recently in my kitchen. A neighbor came over and we were talking, and I love this neighbor. She's a good human. She's a great mom and works her ass off in her career, and she's a badass, But she came in and she repeated something she had seen on the news. She saw a spokesperson for the Trump administration engaging with a reporter. And the reporter was asking very pointed questions about the practice of separating families at the border. Right? This has been a really big deal as of late. And it has since supposedly been reversed thanks to a presidential declaration of some sort. But anyway, so this spokesperson was at the podium and the reporter is saying, How can you separate mothers and fathers from their little ones? How can you do that? And the spokesperson just kept repeating the same phrase over and over again. We're treating these people the way we treat anyone who breaks the law. We put them in jail. And no matter how the reporter asked the question, that was the way it was repeated. That was the answer. And my neighbor, when she was repeating this to me, kind of indicated that that made a lot of sense. Actually, when you think about it that way, it doesn't, it doesn't seem as outrageous. If they're breaking the law, they have to suffer the consequences, which is, I think, what a lot of people, a lot of Americans think. And in that moment, my 
heart wanted to lunge, right? Because I felt us versus them creeping up. I thought to myself, oh my God, she believes in separating families at the border. And that triggered a holy host of thoughts and emotions, right? But thanks to this practice, I was able to think, you know, we belong to each other. We're all trying to work out this really complicated problem, which is immigration. It's a problem. You know, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, it's a problem in this country. And how we solve it, there's huge variance, right? So I said, you know, I can see why you feel that way, where that line of thinking makes sense. But I said, you know, sometimes we have to question the frame that an argument is held in, right? So the reporter's framing this issue as a humanitarian issue, as a separating mothers and fathers issue and children. The spokesperson is framing it as a criminal issue. And I said, that's where I disagree because I guarantee you, you and I are mothers, if we were faced with the choice of moving our children out of an incredibly dangerous environment into a relatively less dangerous environment, aka the US, we would do it without hesitating. If my babies, if I couldn't feed them, or I felt like they were going to get abducted or raped or disappeared in the country I lived in, you bet your sweet ass I would cross the border (laughs) in a heartbeat. Is that criminal? And when we engaged in that dialogue, she understood my perspective. I don't actually think or know that I changed her mind, but we were able to have a we moment as mothers where at least you engage with the core issue, which is, is it considered criminal? Is it considered a jailable offense to do what you have to do to keep your baby safe? That's the question. And we had this really great connection moment and we left feeling okay, everybody okay. Whereas what I've seen in social media when these huge political hot potatoes come up where the administration does something that half the country thinks is absolutely freaking abhorrent and the other half of the country is like, well, let's, let's see what happens. If we start hurling stones of judgment and hatred at each other, we're never going to get past it. And sure enough, in this issue, enough Republicans, enough conservative voices came forward and said, yeah, we don't believe this either. This isn't who we are as a country. We can all agree that mothers and children shouldn't be separated. And apparently, as of today, that practice is coming to an end. Now, whether or not that's real, we'll have to wait and see. But I thought the arc of that was a fascinating example of the power of we coming together and saying, can we at least agree on X? And it turned out, yes, we could. To me, that is how you move forward on tricky stuff. And it shows you the power of moving away from tribalism and us versus them thinking. That's kind of a lofty political example. But let me give you an example of something from my own life. I mean, here I am, a communication coach. It's what I do for a living. I considered myself to be on the mastery side of this whole thing, not on the student side. But of course, that's not how life works. So one afternoon, I was driving home from a women's luncheon. And I realized that I was in a terrible mood. I hated every song on the radio. And when I got home, I was really short with my kids and my husband. I was kind of a walking nightmare. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was just deeply annoyed. 
And I went upstairs to change into my comfy clothes, which is what I do when I get home. And I tried to play back the day to see where my thought patterns were, which of the junk thought patterns I was engaging in, because my communication style was hideous at that moment. And what I realized when I retraced my steps is that my mental state switched from positive to negative the moment I set foot inside the big ballroom of that women's luncheon. And when I reviewed my behavior, I saw myself changing from my big me, my big, authentic, warm, connectable, funny self, to acting kind of aloof and slightly you know, bored by the whole thing. And I'm pretty sure I was holding the resting bitch face expression most of the time and golf clapping were appropriate. There may have even been eye rolling involved. I actually remember saying to the table that I found this event kind of old fashioned. And I wondered what the next generation would do to raise money without boring everyone. I mean, you guys, I actually said that out loud. I'm so embarrassed. I want to die. And this was at a table where I was someone's guest. I wanted to fall into a crack in the earth just thinking about it when I realized. In short, I was acting like a real jackass, right? But I knew these behaviors didn't come out of nowhere. And reviewing what my mental story was, I realized that the pattern of thought was this. These aren't my people. Classic us versus them. My people would want a mosh pit, not a dais. My people would want to put their elbows on the table and swear. These people are polite and boring and scary and fancy, and they know all the right things to say and do. And they know how to sit with their back straight and their ankles crossed just so. And I want to freaking scream, grab a bottle of spray paint, and draw a giant anarchy sign right on the podium. Then I'd like to strip naked, light my hair on fire, and run out of the room. I mean, this is, this is, it turns out, you guys, after investigating this, this is the way my mind goes. Every time I'm at a fancy gala or fundraiser or dinner of some sort, seriously. So what I realize is that these events bring out little me, aka bitchy Bronwyn, like crazy. So what is the path out of us versus them and into we? We talked about having a mantra to replace it. We're all in this together. We belong to each other. All of those good things are great, but I want to take it a little bit further right? When I got clear about what my habits were, aloofness, arrogance, withholding, passive aggressiveness, when I looked at those behaviors, I looked at the stories that were driving them. It was clear that I had consumed an us versus them slash inferiority, superiority cocktail, which made me want to beat myself up. But I had to set aside the self-flagellation and practice what I preach. So what I did is I pulled out my journal. I carry with me all the time and I let her rip. What I did was I wrote down the stories. These are not my people. That was story one, us versus them. And I feel both superior and inferior to them at the same time. Then I wrote down the new stories I wanted to tell myself. We're all in this together. We're all doing the best we can with the tools we have. And that includes me because I needed to show little me a little empathy, a little compassion. Because if I'm not careful, I will be so hard on little me for being a bitch that it's almost counterproductive. So I wanted to hand little me a little compassion. And I wanted to hand her the mic for a minute. So I let little me talk in my journal. And when I wrote from the perspective of little me, here's what she said. I can't hear very well in this room. It's clattering silverware. And my ears are shot from years of singing in a band. (laughs) And as a result, 
I'm a little embarrassed of my hard of hearingness and I want to withdraw from the conversations. Also, I absolutely hate small talk. And little me believes that these events are pretty much 99% small talk and that gives me license to judge everyone for being shallow. So <laughs> also little me feels like I'm not enough because I don't belong at these fancy events because growing up in my family, nobody went to those events. We weren't from the socioeconomic class that did that kind of stuff. And therefore, I feel outclassed, out-educated, outdone by everyone in the room. True story, you guys. I really feel this way. <laughs> Lastly, I hate the form factor of reading a speech from a podium. I actively and vigorously recommend that clients do something more important than this because attention spans are terribly short these days. And so I'm professionally judging the whole thing and not kindly. So when I saw all of those things written out, and this is what I recommend you do when you get that attack of us versus them, when I wrote it down and saw the ideas for what they were, I realized I forgot the whole reason I was at the event. I was there to celebrate the achievement of women working for equal rights here and abroad. And the speakers were these incredible women, freedom fighters from around the world talking about what they're doing. I mean, how could I think that these weren't my people. These are 100% my people. So I repeated my mantras, right? We're all doing the best we can, and that includes me, and we belong to each other. And I realized that I had a couple choices. Number one, I could continue saying yes to these kinds of invitations from good, well-intended people out of a sense of obligation and politeness and then behaving badly and ending the day in a shame spiral. That's option one. Two, I could say no to all of these invitations to galas or luncheons or whatever, knowing that they bring out the worst in me. Or three, I could choose a middle path. I could say no to most of them, knowing that they trigger the worst behavior in me and only give the occasional yes for situations where the cause is really in alignment with my values and beliefs. And in those yes moments, I could make a plan to arrive at the event armed with interesting questions. So I don't have to have this stupid, do your kids play soccer? Oh yeah, no, mine gave that up. My kids are into musical theater. I don't want to do it. I hate those conversations. But what if I showed up to those events armed with interesting questions, armed with questions if it's a women's event, you know, what aspects of feminism are you most interested in? What's your platform? What are you doing to advance the movement? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm sure I could think of something good, right? And if I can't hear somebody, I could ask them to speak louder. So I chose door number three, that middle path of saying yes sometimes and being armed and prepared not to engage in small talk. So here's your homework. If you feel like you want homework, some of my clients are like, they love this homework. So just, this is optional, obviously people. But this week, I want you to notice where you are engaging in that tribal us versus them mental storytelling. I want you to just notice what tends to trigger it. Is it at work? Is it at home? Is it after you look at the news? <laughs> is it after you're on social media? And once you notice it, write down what those thoughts are. Get dead honest. Give little me the mic and let her or let him or let they, to my friends out there that are not identifying one way or the other, high five, totally down. Let them say what they need to say shamelessly and be kind to yourself. We all have that itty bitty shitty committee, as Anne Lamott says, that is capable of incredible pettiness. Let it rip. Own it. 
be kind to yourself for feeling those ways. We're not perfect. We're human. And then once they're out, decide that you can be different. Decide that you can tell a different mental story. Make a plan and then see how things change. See how your communication style opens up. See how you are able to absolutely achieve the impossible in conversations where conflict is high, where tension is high, where it seems like there's no way to resolve it. You'll be amazed at what you can do from a we mentality and not an us versus them mentality. So friends, thank you for being with me. As always, tell your friends about the podcast, share the love, rate it on iTunes, give it all the love you can give because the first few weeks of a new podcast are like vital. And I would love for this little offering to help as many people as possible. Everybody could use a little shot of a communication coach. So thanks for joining me. I hope you have a great week and shine on you crazy diamonds. We'll see you next time.